We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. USMA, it feels like the running back rotation is now down to two or three with Estime, Love, and Payne, uh, where their first four games sort of a tryout for who would be the primaries would like to see them get back to it. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think it's three. I mean, we did also see uh, Jadarian Price at running back on Saturday. I believe him and um, – let me just look it up to make sure. Yeah, him and, him and Jabron Payne had very similar touches. Jeremiah, is that that can't be right. It says Jeremiah Love only played seven, six snaps. That can't be right. If that's right, that's a joke. Jabron Payne only seven. Janarian Price only played two. I have to look that up. There's no way that's accurate. That would be really bad coaching if he only played six snaps. That'd be really bad unless he's hurt. But I, I still think Janarian Price is a the guy they're trying to factor in. They just they didn't quite get him the ball. But you know, none of those guys played a whole lot. Archer four five two. Um, do you think the starting wide receivers for, are for next year are currently on the roster, or do you expect to transfer a freshman to start? It's possible. I mean, if I had to guess right now, I would say that the starters are on the roster. I mean, the hope is that the veteran players step up and play better. I mean, I'd love to see Chris Tyree come back and and see what he can do in year two. I mean, if he's doing what he's doing now and he's never played receiver before, I'd love to see him what he could do with another offseason of learning the position. You know, you hope that a guy like Tobias Merriweather turns his potential into production. You hope that Jaden Thomas can get back on track. You hope that Jaden Greathouse can have a, a big year two growth or Rico or Braylon James or somebody like that. But if Cam Williams comes in to start, then great. That means he's really good. I don't want to see Notre Dame go to the portal for a receiver unless it's like an absolute dude, right? Archer, you're a you're you're an Ohio State guy. Let's just say hypothetically, like a Mechic Buka wants to go to Notre Dame for some reason, right? I'm just making a point because you're a Buckeye fan. Would I look at him? Heck yes. Am I gonna am I, you know, would I look at a would I look at a guy like Tez Walker, who I think is really good? Yeah, probably. Would I look at a, another Caleb Smith situation? No, I wouldn't. You you needed to this year, in my opinion. You know, maybe Deion Colsey figures it out and is able to stay healthy. But to me, I don't think the, you don't need to go to receiver in the portal. And, and I know that maybe some coaches in Notre Dame might 
think that, but I think that's a cop-out. Look, you've got plenty of talent. Coach them up. Coach them up. Unless it's a flat-out dude, coach them up. That's what I want to see. Coach them up. And, and you know, get those kids ready to play. And if you can't hey, – look, here's the deal. If you – if you don't have a receivers coach, and I'm not saying this is true, I'm, I'm making a hypothetical situation about evaluating your program. If Marcus Freeman looks at his receiving core and says, I've got Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas, Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, uh, Braylon James, Jordan Faison, Cam Williams, Micah Gilbert, and Logan Saldate, and you don't think you have a coach that can get that group ready to play at a high level, you got the wrong coach, and you need to make a change. Simple as that. I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying if that's your evaluation, that we can't put a big-time receiving core on the field next year because we don't have the talent, so we got to go to the portal and get somebody who's already been developed by somebody else, then you don't have the right receivers coach running your program, and you need to get a better one. Guys, I just listed off a lot of very talented players. Coach them up. I mean, that's what it comes down to, man. Coach them up. Get them ready to play. Because this is, oh, they're young, they're young, they're young. Well, they won't be as young next year. These guys are going to play a lot of snaps. So I want to see you coach those kids up. That's what I want to see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brendan Kay, do you think uh, Hartman's hesitancy to throw deep the ball has been due to internal confidence, confidence in the receivers, coaching, or something else? I think it's a, I think it's a combination of all those things. I don't think he has a lot of confidence in the players right now, and 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 to a degree that's understandable. You know, we have seen some drops. Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas dropped a ball against NC State that he that he put out there was catchable. Tobias dropped a you know deep ball against Duke that he should have caught. He just missed a Tobias on another one. Rico Flores gets picked off against Louisville. I don't think there's a great deal of confidence in the outside receivers. I don't think they're calling a lot of plays and they're not scheming things in a way that are really overly creative. It's just a bunch of goes and posts and stops. There's not a lot to it. There's no 
like drives. There's just a lot of different things that I want to see that they're not doing. And I don't think he has a lot of confidence. And that's where the coaching part comes in. I don't know that they're trying to force the issue. And this is what, look, this is why I said at the beginning of the year, you, you force the issue with Tobias and Tyree early in the year. Why? You do it against Navy. You do it against Tennessee State. You do it against NC State. You do it against Central Michigan. Why? One of two things you're going to know before you get to Ohio State. One is, okay, Tobias has got that ability. Here's where he's fallen short, but he's doing good things here. Let's work on this. Let's identify this and work on this, number one. And then Chris Tyree, same thing. Number two, you force the issue to those to him early, Tobias early. He's dropping balls. He's not getting open. He's not doing those things. You know then by the end, by the end of the NC State game, this guy doesn't have it. We need to figure something else out. Two weeks before you play Ohio State, three weeks before you play Duke, four weeks before you play Louisville. That's the whole point. That's why I said, I said at the time, it was a mistake that they just kind of ran their offense and just did the business as usual against bad teams. You needed to force the issue to those guys because you needed to, you needed to get them the snaps and the opportunities needed to build their confidence and get them into the game. But the other side of that is if they don't step up and make plays, you now know they're not that dude and you can start having other plans before it's too late. Same thing with the guard rotation. So to me, um, you know, I just got, I've got to see more. I've got to see more from them. And so until I see more, I'm just, I'm just not going to buy the whole, well, uh, it's just frustrating. It, it's the talent. It's the talent. No, no, no. It's, it's the talent's got to step up and make plays, but you've got to do a better job developing it. And that's why they should have done the early need. That's the time for it. That's the whole reason you schedule Navy, Central Michigan, and Tennessee State in three of your first four games. Just so you can work out those kinks. They didn't do that. And it's hurting them now. You could have found out if Tobias wasn't that guy early in the season. You could have found that out. Say we did well against Central Michigan. He had three, he had three catches against Central Michigan. That's it. You, you, you should have done more. And you'd have found out if he wasn't that guy. Or you'd have got him ready and he'd be, a, he'd be further along. Either way, it was a fail on the part of the coaching staff. And that's partly why we've seen this swoon. As soon as the competition got better, they got some things exposed that you should have, you should have had a good idea about in the first four games in my opinion. Irish blooded. Uh, can we talk, can we just talk about how fast Bubakar is the guy uh, is that guy could become a Notre Dame legend? Well, you know, he played two plays and that one play was pretty good. Now the question is, can he do it for more reps? And, I, and that's something you know, talk a lot of questions about what do you do during a bye week? Well, here's the interesting thing is part of the reason that, that from what I'm told, part of the reason he got in is because one of the Vipers got uh, his his hammy a little bit, tweaked a little bit, and then Bubakar got a shot and he took advantage of it. I would ramp it up a little bit during the week and of, of the prep week or the bye week and then during the prep week and say, hey, look, let's see what the kid can do with a few more snaps. This is a great game for it against Pitt, right? Yeah, I'm not saying give him 50 snaps, but you can give him 10, 12, 15 and see what he can do. And uh, – but the reps in practice could be big. But yeah, look, I had this guy as the number one, my number one upside guy in the class last year for a reason. I mean, he's a very talented kid. Um, was injured a lot last year, banged up a lot, didn't get a chance to play. And boy, he's starting to figure it out. And that's the exciting thing because I, I honestly thought he was going to need at least a year, if not two, 
to kind of figure it out. And then when I saw that he came in like about 18 pounds lighter than what he was when he got, when, when, when he signed, or at least what he was listed as during recruiting, I was like, Ooh, it, it may take a little bit longer. And the fact that barely halfway through the year, he's already kind of showing enough to where they had to get him on the field. And then he does things. It's like, okay, all right, let's, I can dig it. So I'd, I'd ramp it up, see what he can do see what the kid can do. JHT says, uh, get outside. Wide receivers are injured, not trusted, but seems great house needs to be a slot guy. Now he was killing teams from there. And I only remember seeing him outside. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, look, right now, who are your two most productive players against USC at receiver? Who are your two most productive receivers? This Chris Tyree and Jordan Faison. They're not outside guys. They're slot guys. So you can't have your three best receivers all playing, three most productive receivers right now all playing one position. You can't do it. Jaden Greathouse is the only guy of that group uh, to, to be effective. Now, here, here's the thing. if you If you look at, the game and you go break it down and, and Vince and I will talk about this tonight. The reality is, is he was open a lot more than, than people think he was open quite a bit in that game outside. There was plenty of opportunities to get him on the field and get him playing time and, or get him the ball. They just, right now the offense is just not doing that. They're not getting the ball to, to him. They didn't look at him. There were several times. And actually it's funny uh, Vince texted me during the show. He's actually breaking down the film, getting ready for the show tonight. And I had told him that I thought Jaden Greathouse was getting open a lot during the game. But during the game, I'm looking at the receivers and I'm and I'm evaluating it. Vince is more looking at the line. It's kind of just part of what we do. And uh, so Vince texts me and he goes, he goes, Jaden Greathouse is getting open a lot more than I thought he was, you know, watching it live. And and so he was getting open. Now it's just about getting Sam Hartman in a, in a place where he's comfortable. And in Sam Hartman's defense in this situation, he didn't get a ton of reps with Jaden Greathouse because of the fact that he's kind of been nursing a bit of an injury in recent weeks and hasn't gotten a, a ton of reps uh, that you'd expect for him to get for them to kind of get on the same page. You, you could see in the earlier games that Sam Hartman had a lot of faith in Jaden Greathouse. But throwing to him in the slot is a little bit different than throwing him outside. It's a different timing. It's a different connection. It's a different – just a lot of it's different. And it took him some time to – it's going to take him a little bit of time to get there. So Jaden now is healthy. You get him more reps during the bye week. And that, to me, would be – if it was was up to me, that would be one of the things that I would start really focusing on as a Notre Dame coaching staff is let's get Jaden – if this is where he's going to play, let's get him ramped up and let's get him him and Sam Hartman on the same page. So I I still think his best position's outside. He can play inside right now. Is is outside? Maybe down the road. But um, look, he's your most dependable player, and you moved him outside, and you didn't throw him the ball. That's the more of the issue as opposed to moving him outside. It's don't move him outside, not throw him the ball, right? So you and I are on the same page, I think, on that part. But I actually think he can play outside, and he was open. He was open quite a bit on Saturday. Just got to focus on getting the ball out there. Uh, Patrick Fitzgerald says, how many adjustments can be made during halftime? Is it possible for coaches to change course with detail in the amount or, of time they have? No, it's not really that kind of thing. Uh, if you're going to change course, you're changing course with mostly what you already have. It's like, hey, we thought we were going to major in this and minor in that. The way the game's going out, we now need to we need to major in the minor and minor in the major. That makes sense, right? So uh, we thought we were going to be less of this, but now you know we we had a nickel plan and it was a 
it was a third down package, but this team's doing a lot of stuff. They're going tempo. They're going 10 personnel, 11 personnel. We need to match them nickel. So, hey, we're going to now major nickel. And then halftime, okay, now that we're going to do more of this, we need to make sure that we're getting a couple coverages that we've done that maybe we didn't rep a whole lot. we got to be able to have those. And let's go over what those are going to be. Hey, make sure we're going to bring back this. We remember we ran this three weeks ago. Here's what we're doing. You talk through it, get on the board, and then you add a couple of those wrinkles into it. It's more stuff like that. Hey, we need to adjust offensively, personnel-wise. You know, we're, we're really feeling – we're really doing this well. Uh, they're not adjusting to this. What are the adjustments they're going to make? And let's do something to it. But let's let's major maybe do a little bit more of this now, and you'll be good to go. Those are different things that you can do. But it can't be wholesale changes because otherwise you're just going to go out there and your kids aren't going to quite know what they're going to do uh, in college. Maybe some teams are mature enough. I think this defense has has is able to do more halftime adjustments because they're so experienced. I mean, think about this. Ten of Notre Dame's 11 starters on defense – are either seniors, fifth-year seniors, or sixth-year seniors. Two starters are sixth-year seniors. Howard Cross, and that is DJ Brown and Javante Jean-Baptiste. That's that's two. Cam Hart's a fifth-year senior. Whether it's Jack Car- Jack Kaiser or Thomas Harper, that guy is a fifth-year senior. J.D. Bertrand's a fifth-year senior. Maris Leofowl's a fifth-year senior. Howard Cross is a fifth-year senior. Then your true seniors are Riley Mills and Xavier Watts and Jordan Batojo and then sophomore Benjamin Morrison. So you have a very experienced and older group of defensive players. So I think you can take advantage of that at halftime to where next year when a lot of those guys are gone, you're not going to be able to do as much. So it can vary from team to team, but more often than not, it's tweaks and adjustments, shifting focus on what you have as opposed to major course changes. Call me, Ty. The season's not over. Would you stick to the current rotations or start using more young guys, O-line, D-line, linebacker, and safety? The only way that I'm going to use different guys is if I think those guys give me a better chance to win the next four games. There's nothing more important than winning the next four games. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do development and get some guys some more reps and things like that. Those things are also true. But you have to win those games. If you think Billy Shrouth gives you a better chance to win the next four games and you play him, if not, then you don't play him. You, you don't start him. Now, I, again, I would rotate him more. I would do that. I would do some things in these next four weeks. I'd get Drake Bowen a few more reps of Mike, especially it's against a couple of the teams you think you can beat. I would get back to getting Christian Gray a little bit more reps of corner against maybe Pitt and in Wake Forest and Stanford and teams like that. But like when you go play Clemson, man, it's all hands on deck. It's what whoever, whatever you got to do. If that means Riley Mills got to play 60 snaps and he's got to play 60 snaps. I don't think that's the case with if Gabriel Rubio's healthy, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's got to win the game. Now, part of that can be playing more guys, but it's only because you think that guy can help you win. Like I would love to see a Don Schuler play more. But if you don't think if you don't think you have as good of a chance of winning a game if a Don Shula plays, then then don't make that move because you've got to win. It's very very imperative. It's imperative that Notre Dame win these next four games. Imperative. Joe Allen says, "Is it me, or the slow developing run plays becoming frustrating to you?" It's part. It's partly me, but I think some of the slow developing stuff gets a little bit overplayed, though. Joe, I think some of it is just that they're they're getting knocked back and it looks slower than it is. But no, I mean, it, look, 
I, I don't have a problem with the slow developing plays. It's just you've got to mix them up a little bit more with some some quicker hitters. Quicker and and that's also again why I think RPOs are 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 miss sorely missing from this offense, even on Saturday. That that slower developing stuff is great with RPOs because it's just more time to read that sucker out. I don't know why they're doing it. It's very, very frustrating. Archer 452, over the last four games, which player other than Billy Shrouth do you want to see get more snaps? I just Christian Gray's one as far as part of that rotation. He'd be one. Uh, I'd like to see the linebackers get a little bit more snaps in the rotation in the non-Clemson games. I, I would I would get Drake some snaps against Pitt. The Pitt game to me would be one where I think it'd be smart to play more of Jason Onye and Gabriel Rubio. It'd be smart to play more of Junior and and Josh Burnham and Bubakar and some of those guys er, you know, early, especially if you come out and jump on them, because I want you as fresh as possible for Clemson. And then you whatever you need to do to beat Clemson. And then you can get back to rotating those guys in more in the last two games. Those are some guys I'd like to see more. Call me Ty asks, of the people that could leave, come back. What is your best guess on who comes back? I man, I don't know. I I mean, part of it, the reason I don't have an answer for that is it's a good, it's a very fair question, is because I part of it depends on how they finish. Like if if Riley Mills plays the next four games like he played the last one or the last couple, like this game and the last game in Duke, it may be tough to convince him to come back. If he just is kind of a, a guy the next four games you know, Hey man, one more year. If you take another jump, you could be a great player. So that's, that's, I mean, Jordan Patello right now, I need to see more from you. He finishes great. You may want him back. We may want to go to the NFL. There's just so much to see. And if Xavier Watts goes out and picks off five more passes in the next four games, maybe a little tougher to, to guess who comes back. So I just got to see how guys finish the year. So much of it depends on that. So this will be a much more, uh, I'd be much more comfortable answering that question at the end of the regular season than now. A couple quick hitters. Michael J. Is, Carr, is CJ Carr going to be an early enrollee? He is. Ryan Loftus, will Cam Williams be wide receiver one the first day on the roster? Heck no. He's going to have to earn that, and he won't He won't be that guy. He's very talented, but he's not that kind of guy where he just shows up day one and he's wide receiver one. Uh, will Bubakar, Jason Smith asked, will Bubakar be a big end or viper? Right now he's a viper. I think his de- position is to be determined. I think between him and Josh Burnham, one of those two is going to have to move to big end. Which guy is that going to be? I don't know. I really don't know. Jay Henry says, based on how the season's going, what do you do with Deion Colsey? I hate that he's being he's been nicked. That's a good question. Honestly, Jay, when he comes back, you've got to ramp him up because he he's the one guy that gives you that boundary type of body. I mean, I don't know when he's going to be back. I don't know if he's going to be back, to be honest with you. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see him again. I really wouldn't be shocked. The rest of the regular season, I wouldn't be shocked. I hope that that's not the case. I hope he plays again because if you can get him back and just quickly get some confidence going, he he's the one guy you can say, let's th- let's see what he can do. Let's throw some jump balls to him. Let's throw some back shoulders to him. I mean, he's 6'5". He's 210 pounds. Let's see what we can do and ramp him up. That's what I would do with him if he's healthy. But if he's not healthy, he's not going to help you. You got to – yeah, you got to let him go. Seth Clark, 
says, what is your opinion on Al Washington with the D-line finally being let loose? I mean, I think he's done a good job with the D-line this year. And the the times they have let the D-line loose, he's gone. Here, here's why Here's why I give Al Golden uh, or, or Al Washington a lot of praise. I, I have seen regression from Jordan Patelho as a pass rusher. Okay. That's, but what's happening all across the board? Riley Mills is a lot better. Howard Cross is a lot better. Javante Jean-Baptiste went from a guy that Ohio State fans told us was just a very just a just a guy, right? To a pretty productive player for Notre Dame, like a really good player, including against Ohio State. You know, a guy that had four tackles for loss and three and a half sacks last year, just kind of a guy, and he's been a very disruptive player. Now, what's funny is his his production is in his he's only got three tackles for loss and, and a half a sack, which I still think that's total. I don't know how that's even possible. Because I'm like, I can like think of three sacks that I can think of. I feel like I can think of off the top of my head, right? But that's where they have him. He's been a very good player. Nana has gotten better. Gabriel Rubio has gotten better. Jason Onye is now helping you after never having been in the in the in the uh, rotation before. Like you're seeing growth across the board. That's a sign of a well coached unit. Even though one guy has regressed in an area, you're still seeing that growth in other areas. And to me, that's that's a positive. That's a very much a positive. And that's a sign of good coaching because, again, it's about evaluating what's happening across the board. Just one guy's not doing something or one guy's doing great. Maybe that's more about that one guy. But I think he's doing a very good job, very good job this season. Their, their hand play's getting better. You know, it, it really just comes down to how are they being used. That's That's really what it comes down to. Archer 452, uh, Clemson is the only team left on the schedule who has enough talent to challenge Notre Dame. Is the expectation 4-0 to finish the season in which New York Six Bowl do you want? Absolutely. You have to go You have to go 4-0. There's not a – and even Clemson, Clemson's not doesn't have the roster as good as Notre Dame's. Flat out don't. Flat out don't. Their name's got better quarterback. Their name's got better running backs. Their name's got better tight ends. Offensive lines are similar. Um, I would argue that Notre Dame is, is a – has more depth of receiver right now. Clemson receivers are playing better, although not by a whole lot. I think that should change. I mean, they're, they're not any great shakes there either. D line wise. I think Notre Dame has a better D line. Uh, I think linebacker Clemson has the better linebacking core, uh, but not by a ton, but they're, they're better. And I think Notre Dame's secondary is better than Clemson's. So I don't think Clemson has a better Ross than Notre Dame to your point. However, their roster's good enough, just like Louisville's, that if you don't play well, they will and they can and will beat you. No question. So if they beat you, it's because you didn't bring it that day and you didn't execute that day. So 4-0 needs to be the expectation. I mean, this is a Clemson team, guys. I mean, this is a this is a good football team, but this is a team that got smacked by Duke, blew a lead against Florida State. And and ba- just barely beat Wake Forest seventeen to thirteen this past weekend, and Wake Forest is not that good. And I just I don't see how you, I don't see how you can't beat them. Now the concern is they've been pretty good on defense this year, and Notre Dame's offense has been not very good. That's the concern that I have: is can you score enough on them? And they shut Clemson's run, day, Florida State's run game down. I mean, their run defense, they gave up 199 to Duke in the first game. Since then, they gave up 12, 83, 22, 100, and 102. That's it. They've only allowed two teams to go over 200 yards passing this year. 
So very good defense, but Notre Dame's got a pretty darn good defense too. So then it's which offense matches up best. And I, right now I think Notre Dame's offense matches up better against Clemson's defense by a little bit. Is that neutralized by home versus away? It's a good question. But, yeah, they need to be at 4-0. As far as the major bowl game, I don't care. I just want it to be I, – I care more about I care more about the matchup, Archer. If it's Fiesta Bowl against Air Force or something like that, or Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, if I viewed the Fiesta Bowl as a better game, okay, give me the better opponent. I mean, honestly, I, I, I really, as long as it's New Year's Six. Now, would I rather have Air Force in the Fiesta or some other good team in the Pop-Tarts Bowl or the Holiday Bowl? I'd like to see the New Year's Six streak get snapped. Nine times out of ten, and I know some of you are thinking, hold on, you said in the past, and that's true. Nine times out of ten, it's like, give me the better opponent. But I just I want to be done talking about the New Year's Six streak of not having won a New Year's Six game. So, at this point, I don't even care who they beat. I just want it to be a done, be done talking about it. Because say, well, yeah, but you didn't beat a big time program. Well, they've already done that in bowl games. I mean, they beat they beat LSU twice. I mean, they've had big wins in bowl games. They just haven't beaten, they haven't won a New Year's Six game. So get that one out of the way, and then we can be done with that. That'd be great. Be absolutely great. Jason Rose says, hey, Brian, with guys like Cam Williams, Logan Saldate, and Micah Gilbert coming in, what does that mean for guys like Tobias and Jane Thomas? It just means, like, they just need to work hard and keep playing, getting better. Jane Thomas's thing is he's been hurt the second half of the year so far. I mean, he, 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 he's he got to get healthy. That's the big thing with Jaden. I don't think you can evaluate him properly. Tobias, look, he's going to have to figure some stuff out and, and play better. And instill confidence in the in in him from the coaches uh, that's to a degree there's things he can't do nothing can do about that in other areas there are things he can do about that he needs to look at you know was the expression control the controllables right there are certain things he can't control how stucky views him or whatever else or am i gonna play my guys that i recruited whatever there's nothing he can't control any of that he can control is what's the work am I putting in today? What's the focus I'm putting in today? And when the ball comes my way, am I making plays? There's nobody else that can control that but you. And so he's got to control those things and, and do what he needs to do and and um, and let the chips fall where they may. And if he doesn't feel like he's getting a shot, then he can go somewhere else. If he, if he is does get a shot, then you go out there and you make plays and you become the great receiver I know you can be. That's really what that means for them. It can't be about Cam Williams and Logan Saldate and Micah Gilbert. If those guys weren't coming in, Tobias and Jade need to say, what do I need to do to become the best player I can be so that we can go win a championship? And if the young players give them a little extra motivation to be focused, great. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. So, but those guys aren't walking in the door just dismissing those guys unless it's just the position coach says, I'm playing guys I recruited. That's it. That's the only reason it happens right away. It's going to come down to how those guys play. Uh, Tony Stengel, any concern with the offensive recruit second guessing based on the offensive struggles this season? Uh, no, I mean, no, uh, it's a different type. It's a different group. We've talked about that, but for all the talk about the offensive struggles, Notre Dame has still scored over 40 points in five of their eight games. I mean, I know we look at things a certain way, but if you're a Notre Dame recruit, like if you're Cam Williams, you were just on the field on Saturday, you watch your teams win 48 to 20. You watch a couple of big plays. You're going to be thinking, man, let me get on the field. And let me – I'll be that guy that goes and makes that play. And that's the mentality that group has. I mean, it's like, yeah, you didn't score enough against Ohio State. Well, wait till I get there. Wait till you see me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. And that's that's really what it boils down to. So 
none that I've heard of. I've heard the guys are excited about about it. Zach thirty two is super. And Tony, thank you for the super chat. Um, he was a super chat, I think, wasn't it? I forget. I'm sorry. Been a long long show. Zach thirty two is super chat. Thank you, Zach. In your opinion, what happened to the offense after the first four games? Seemed like they were rolling. Was their success due to just poor competition? Of course it was. But they were also doing things legitimately that were helping them. They were throwing the ball down the field. They were more aggressive in the pass game. Uh, they were very efficient offensively. Their offensive line was playing well. What's happened since is they lost their aggressiveness when they played better teams. When the competition ramped up, they went away from things that were working. They didn't do enough in the first four games to really build on some of the younger players or newer players in the position. That matters. And the other part of it to me is um, they just kind of lost their way a little bit. They started as when they started struggling, instead of just saying, hey, let's get back to who we are, they started kind of grab bagging a little bit and went away from, from who they are. And I think they lost their focus that we saw them somewhat go back to that a little bit on Saturday. And now they need to get, they need to get back to it. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's Irish50 at factormills.com slash Irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try it too. DBC with the Super Chat. Thank you, ma'am. With Louisville losing to Pitt, does last week's loss sting even more? It does for me. It it does to a degree. I'll I'll feel more about that after the season. When I see the playoff teams announced, and then I'll probably start feeling a certain way about it. But but like right now, my focus really is on moving forward. It, it really is. I'm I'm I'll have a moment for that, but it's just it's just not now. I, my that moment for me is not now, and that and that's just partly you know as a, as a coach in season, I'm, I try to be as, as focused as I can be on. Okay, what's next, and then just go away from it. And um, yeah, I'm just not there. Here's a super chat from AST12321. But hey, but but uh, I understand why you're that way. I get it. Trust me. And I, I know a lot of fans are feeling that way. Like it's even stings even more when you watch what Notre Dame did to USC. And then you watch because you're thinking like, man, 
this team lost and this team lost and this team lost, man, we'd be borderline top five right now. Like we'd be like six or seven, maybe. And see, that's frustrating, but I just, I'm just trying not to focus on that stuff. I'm trying to think about, let's go beat Pitt. AST12321. Pro Football Focus released their team of the week. No Xavier Watts, one on earth. No two safeties had a better week. It's actually, it's actually worse than that. It's worse than that. So they gave Xavier Watts a grade in the 70s. 70s, which is absolutely absurd. And he was, I mean, 70s is good football, but no, he should have absolutely been a better player. Here's the better part. Riley Mills, of the 24 players that played on Saturday, they graded Riley Mills as the fourth lowest, 21st out of 24 players. They they graded J.D. Bertrand at 15th. They gave Ramon Henderson a a higher grade against USC than J.D. Bertrand and Riley Mills and Gabriel Rubio and Javante Jean-Baptiste. Javante Jean-Baptiste had seven pressures in the game. Seven pressures. He had the second lowest grade on defense. I've said to you guys a million times, if you look at pro football focus, look at their data collection, and that's it. Because the grading process is a joke. An absolute joke. And this game is a perfect example of that. A perfect example of that. This game, this game against USC was Notre Dame's third highest rated defensive game of the season. Third highest. Yeah. You know what their their worst defensive grade of the season was? Duke. Their second worst defensive graded game of the season as a team? Ohio State. Think about that. And their their coverage grade, if they, they do like coverage grade, the Ohio State game was their second worst coverage game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the game they kind of pretty much shut down Ohio State's best receivers. Yeah. Yep. So I just – they I, the grading system is just really bad. It's just really bad. And um, I, don't, I don't really know what to say about it, to be honest with you. Other than that, it's just look at the data collection and that's it. The rest of it's just it's – a, it's a joke. Nathan Mill with the Super Chat. Thank you, Nathan. Has Clarence Lewis been sneaky good this year? Anyone else sneaky good on the Notre Dame roster you've been watching? He's been okay. He struggled this past week, uh, in my opinion. But he's he's been solid. He's been solid. Sneaky good. I mean, I, I think Riley Mills is a guy that has just been completely underappreciated by Notre Dame fans all year. He's been very good this season, all year. Guys have been sneaky good. Uh, you know, I uh, it's really just it comes down to the, the the fan whipping boys, right? Like fans love hating on Chris Tyree for some reason. Don't know why. Some do, not all. Some. I think he's been pretty good this year, and and you know you had people wanting to bench him last week and not play him anymore, you know. And I'm glad that the coaches didn't listen to that. He's been pretty good. Riley Mills has been really good, not getting a lot of appreciation from fans. Uh, Cam Hart nationally has been brilliant. And nobody talks about him. I, I 
I've watched a lot of football this year. I don't know that I've seen three or four corners better than Cam Hart this year. And and I, I see people say, oh, Benjamin Morrison. I've seen Notre Dame fans say this. And, and, a, and a guy was being complimentary. He's like, you know, Benjamin Morrison's the best corner in the country. And I wanted to be like, you know, Ben's been really good this year, no doubt. But uh, he's not even their best, the, the best corner of this team. And that's Cam Hart by far. Cam Hart in eight games has given up eight receptions for 94 yards, guys. In eight games. Cam Hart has yet to allow 100 yards on the season, according to Pro Football Focus. And again, I told you, that stuff, I like. USC had 10 yards to set against him. Louisville had 11. Duke had zero. Ohio State had 10. Central Michigan had 22. NC State had 38. Tennessee State had three. Navy had zero. And if you remember the, the one against Tennessee against Tennessee State, that was a great ball. I mean, against NC State, that was a great ball. Required a perfect pass. He's been brilliant this year. And nobody talks about him. Notre Dame fans do. I'm talking about like nationally. Nobody talks about him. He's been outstanding this year. Matt, 2011 GT. Thank you, Matt. In 22, in 2022, the defense was struggling early. Marcus Freeman said he wanted to simplify things, and it seemed to work. Do you think it's possible he's he's uh, he tried to, the same thing this year with the offense, and that's why things have been rather vanilla? No, I just think that's kind of what he wants. I mean, the offense was that way last year too. I think Marcus Freeman. I'm. I shouldn't say that. I'm concerned that Marcus Freeman thinks that you can win championships playing the way his Ohio State teams did when he played, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Now I could be wrong. He he. They could have just a lower opinion of the current talent than I do. It, it really could be that. And if that's it, okay. I mean, we agree to disagree on the talent, but if that's really your issue, hey, we just don't think we have the receivers to run the offense we want to run. Okay, that's fair. Cool. Well, let's see what it looks like when you do. And next year you should, because these guys are going to be older and all that kind of stuff. That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that would actually, if, if I had a, if I sat here and like told you guys what I told you and, and Marcus Freeman was listening, he's not. And he called me up. He's like, Driscoll, man, like you need to, you need to stop saying that that's what I want to do. Here's the deal. I don't want to, I know you can't run it that way, but right now, Here's the strengths of our team, and I just don't have a lot of faith in this part of our offense. But we feel like with with Kenny and CJ and the guys we got coming in, and next year once Jaden and Rico and 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 uh, Braylon James and Faison are a year older, and we get Cam Williams in here, and and the tight ends are going to be older, going to be like Raritan back to being healthy, and we're gonna you know we're gonna have these backs, and we're gonna have this quarterback, and 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 Chris Hyrie's gonna you know. But next year, man, look, this is what I want to do. We're going to open it up. I just don't have a lot of faith that we're there right now. I was like, all right, cool. I'd make me feel happy. I'd be ha- if that, if he meant that, I'd be happy. Okay, cool. We agree to disagree on the current talent level, and if this is the answer for it, right? But I can live with that. I'd feel good about that. I just don't. I just don't know that he actually believes that. I think it's more about is a defensive minded guy. The offense's job is to is to complement the defense not the other way around and that's a bit concerning to me it is but then his response is going to be did you watch the usc game and i'm like well played sir well played i just don't think you can do that week after week after week and and my example would be i'll i'll see your usc and raise you louisville and ohio state where your defense did pretty darn good in those two games for big stretches of the game if not the whole game and it wasn't enough because you couldn't score. The difference is in this game, the offense did what it needed to do when it got 
into the scoring zone and when it needed to put drives together and it didn't against Ohio state Louisville. So it's a good, hopefully it's a, you know, step in the right direction. Nathan Milton says ideal starting Notre Dame D O line in 2024. Um, hashtag. I'm not going to read that. Nathan. <laughs> I, we've taken enough shots at Brian Kelly. And I agree with that. Um, ideal starting lineup for me in 2024. I mean, I would, I'm assuming that, that Joe Waltz in the NFL, I'm assuming that Zeke Carell tries to move on to the NFL. Huh. Ideal starting lineup. Here's what I would do. I would, I would move Pat Coogan back to center and let him battle with Ashton Craig for that job. I would have Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler starting off at guard. And I would give Charles Jagasaw a chance to push them out of the starting lineup. At tackle, I would, I would, um, I'd put Tosh Baker at right tackle and Blake Fisher to left tackle in the spring. And I'd tell Blake, you know, we need you to, to be the leader of this group now. And I would tell Tosh, you're going to get every chance to start. But I would also say, but you've got to beat out Emil Wagner and see if you can. And that's, that's what I would do. I, I, that's the lineup I would look at. I mean, part of me wants to say I'd move Blake Fisher to guard and I, and I really still feel like that's his best position position, but I don't know if I have enough. I don't know that I like the, the tackle depth enough to do that move, to be honest with you. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but I mean, gosh, man, there's still a lot of football left to play, but Billy Shrouth needs to be in your starting lineup and you've got to give Charles Jagasaw a pathway to earning a spot somewhere, whether that's right tackle, left tackle, whatever the case may be, you know, maybe, maybe Emil Wagner makes a big jump this off season and he can be your left tackle. I, I don't, I don't love the idea of moving Blake Fisher left tackle. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's shown me enough this year as a pass blocker to make me comfortable at left tackle. That's one of my big concerns next year is who's that left tackle. I don't, I don't know that T- Tosh has enough behind to be, to, to hold up against the best pass rushers. And I don't know if Emil's going to be ready. Uh, you know, so left tackle is a big concern for me next year. And uh, much it hasn't been like that for me in a long time. It really hasn't. And it is. Assuming Joe Walt leaves, which I believe he will. Tyler Evans with the Super Chat. Thank you, Tyler. What did you think of the Oregon versus Washington game? I thought it was a phenomenal game. I thought you saw in that game partly why I think Washington is is a, is a legitimate contender this year and, and why I picked them to win the Pac-12 and why I picked them to be a playoff team because I believe this version of Washington can run the ball when they need to. And, and they're never going to be like piling up a bunch of numbers, but the Mississippi state transfer had a hundred yards on Saturday and they need, they need the run pass game was good, but it was, you know, Oregon was doing some good things against it and they need to be able to run the ball to keep them on balance. And they could, of course, part of my concern too is, is the defense has still got to be better, but that's a pretty good Oregon offense in my opinion, but that was a, a heck of a win. And it's also, it's the mentality that some coaches have, man, where, this whole, you can't win kicking field goals. And I'm like, I get that to a degree. You're not going to just kick field goals all the time, but you also have to maximize your possessions. And when there's one play left in the half and you're down 22-18, you're going to need every point you can get. You take the field goal there. I'm sorry. I just, you just, you just do. And it came back to bite him in the butt. So, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. As y'all know, I'm not a very big Dan Lanning fan. So I was happy to see that kind of happen to him a little bit in that, uh, in that game. 
Got a few more super chats here as we get, uh, I'm going to wrap things up here on the four hour mark. I'm going to try to roll through as many of these as possible. Detroit Hunter, thank you. How is Benjamin Morrison still being underhyped nationally? Guy is a savage playing like a top five pick. I don't agree with that. I Benjamin's playing well, but I don't believe he's playing great uh, this season. I think he's been good. I mean, he's given up three touchdown passes. I think only gave him like one all of last year. Uh, he's been good. He's been pretty good. His tackling has been disappointing. He's got to get better against the run. He's been playing well. I, I will say that. But I I don't know that I'd say he's playing like a top five pick. You know, again, it, it, just to understand my criticism is, is more of a for the standard that he has set for himself as being an elite player. You guys get that, right? Like, I'm not saying he's played bad. I'm not saying, man, what a disappointment. He's, no, I'm not saying that. He's been pretty good, and he's catching the best that every team's best receiver mo- almost every week. It's just more of there are things he can do to be better this season. And there's been a couple times like he's had a couple rough games. I didn't think he was very good against Louisville. I didn't think he was very good against Duke for him. Again, that's the other part, too. You have to understand what I'm saying is he's still been very good relative to most corners. It's more about for him he hasn't been as good. But uh, – but he's also stepped up and been clutches sometimes, you know, and, and that's, that's been good to see as well. So um, I, I do, I, I do like that part of him, but, but not that he, I do think he's a little underrated, but I think if you're going to be talking about somebody that's been underrated, I mean, Cam Hart to me is the, is the guy that needs to be talked about as being underrated. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you for the super chat, Charlie. I appreciate that. I tend to agree with you, BD. Kid is lucky. Williams didn't punch him in the face. Too many of these internet fame wannabes are going to get hurt. Go Irish. Yeah, it, it's um, it's just this thing of younger people. I, guys, internet is not real life. Like, social media is not real life. Like, things that you see on, like, these, what's the show? Like, jackass. There's, it's still reality TV. It's still scripted. It's not actually real life. You know, you try to punk the wrong person and it's not going to go well for you. I'm not as worried about that, though. Somebody's being a moron. You're being a moron. I mean, you know, sometimes it just things happen. I'm more concerned about the life of the player that could get damaged by some of that, where somebody comes up and, you know, these players get so desensitized to it where you can't do anything, you can't do anything, and then somebody does something to them or or – the emotion of a game and somebody does something now all of a sudden his career's ruined because he punched somebody. Like I'm actually more concerned about that than what some drunk idiot does when he runs on the field. And that that's my big concern. That's why I say, look, you want to do all that stuff. Then, then, then let the kids off the field first. Like how can anyone disagree with that? How can anyone think it's wrong to let the other team get off the field first? I, I just, I don't see how that's a debatable topic. I just don't. I really don't, but um, I don't wish someone to get punched in the face or get hurt. I don't. I pray that I'm wrong about that. I genuinely pray that I'm wrong about that, but it's just, it's just how it's going to go, man. It's just, it's not good. It's really not good. All right. I'm uh, Matt 2000. I'm not, I'm not reading that super chat. I'm sorry. I appreciate the super chat, but I'm, I can't, I can't do it uh oc irish fan brian i can't find the hat you're wearing today on the notre dame website does it have a specific style name thanks go irish uh i don't know it says uh it's a it's called uh let me see if it says here it's the 47 brand shirt or hat i don't know that it um i got mine 
at the actual bookstore. Like I went in and got it. I saw another guy at the last tailgate that had that hat like this, but it was like green and then a blue here. So I don't know if it's on the website, but I I think 40, I wonder 40, it says 47. What is the website here real quick? Hold on a second. It's a uh, 47brand.com. Maybe try that. See if they have it on their website. But yeah, it's a 47 brand hat. It doesn't have a, on this, it doesn't have like a specific name on it, but it's a really sweet hat. It's super comfortable. Like a lot of these mesh hats I don't like because like it's a really hard mesh. Like remember the ball caps we had as kids that was like that really hard mesh. This is a really soft mesh. Uh, and it's a really soft fit here, which I like. It's not like a real hard hat. Like a lot of hats are like just real rigid and I have a big head and those things can really squeeze on my head, but this is like a really soft hat. Like you see how easily it moves. And the nice thing is even though it's a, it's, it's, a, it's like that, got that, but it really forms around my head nicely and it's low riding too. I love low riding hats. Like this is like one of the best hats I've ever bought. It's so comfortable. Uh, I absolutely love this hat. But yeah, so I never heard of 47 brand, but uh, I mean, this is a great hat. I, if, it, if, if any from 47 brands ever watch and give me a call, because I'd love to get an IB hat, uh, an IB logo on your uh, your guys' hats. That'd be awesome. If I could get like an IB logo on this hat, oh my gosh, I'd be a happy, happy guy. Very happy guy. All right, going to roll through a few more questions. I want to just get through a, a couple here that I wanted to try to address before we roll out of here. T Smith 0323 uh, was listening to Joel Klatt show this morning. And he said, USC doesn't have a defense problem. Maybe they have an offense problem too, because in the last nine quarters, they only, they scored only 42 points. Do you, what do you think? In the last nine quarters, they only scored 42 points. I, that's not accurate. I mean, even if you just take, even if you just take, like he can't be talking about the overtime as a quarter, right? He can't be spinning it that way. Just the last two games alone, so eight quarters, they've scored 48 points in the last eight quarters, last two games. So 28 in regulation against Arizona and 20 against Notre Dame. Here, here's my issue with this comment. And, and, and I don't know that how he said it, the context, but you're a pretty good poster, so I'm just going to take it as you know, this is kind of the, the theme of what he meant. Yes, they have a defensive problem. Number one, I mean, your offense against Colorado, which would be part of your nine quarters, right? Your offense sparked you to a 34 to seven lead. What more do you want from them? You know what I mean? Like the, and it's kind of like the, the argument. So they had a bad game against Arizona and the defense all of a sudden gets a pass. They, they couldn't stop Arizona state's sorry offense. They got ripped up in the second half by Colorado. They couldn't make any – I mean, look, did the defense play okay against Notre Dame? Sure. But every time Notre Dame needed to put a drive together to score, they did, and there was nothing USC could do about it. And so I don't think the defense played that great. I think it was more about Notre Dame's offense being conservative. Their offense had a bad game, a really bad game. This unit that has been carrying this football team for the last two years had a bad game because the other team is really good and kick their butts they needed their defense to step up and they didn't right you turn the ball over first drive Notre Dame still is outside the 10 yard line force a field goal second one I understand two yard line you're not gonna stop Notre Dame from the two yard line on four plays the first one hold them to a field goal right okay third one if you hold them to a field goal the first time it's a 13 to 3 game when Notre Dame makes the second interception 
midfield, make a stop. Notre Dame's got at least one first down before they're in field goal range. Make a stop, right? Couldn't do it. Notre Dame goes right down the field, scores a touchdown, boom, 24 to three, right? So football is a team game. And we said this about the Louisville-Notre Dame game. People said defense didn't play well. Yeah, they did. They played as well as they could, as long as they could, and they finally, the dam broke because the offense did nothing to help them out. The offense has been carrying this team for a, over a year and a half. Defense couldn't step up and help them out when they needed them. Couldn't do it. And that's the mark of a bad defense. Sorry, it is. You've now given up over 40 points three games in a row. That's not an offensive problem. It's not an offensive problem. You know, last three, last four games in regulation, 28 points, 41 points, 28 points, 48 points. They don't have an offensive problem. They don't have an offensive problem. They have a defensive problem. So I don't know what he's talking about. If that's in fact what he said, that's incredibly misguided, in my opinion. It, it incredibly misguided. And, and to me, it's just like, you know, let's beat beat up on Lincoln Riley while he's down. That that's nothing more than that to me. I, I think that's a bad take. I mean, dude, you I think he called the game in Colorado. You watched them. Just jump out to a 34 to 7 lead in that game. You're going to tell me that the, the offense was the, they have an offensive problem, really? You're going to cherry pick some data from the most recent game and 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 tell me that it's because of that? Colorado put up 564 yards on on them on USC. So, no, they don't have is their offense perfect? No, it's not. We talked about this. They're not great at running the ball. They're I said last week, their offensive line may have more talent, but they they don't play as well as last year's unit did. They don't. They don't. I said that. They don't run the ball as well. They should, but they don't run the ball as well as they did last year. Not consistently. Not for the backs they have. Those are legitimate issues. They're far from perfect on offense. But no, this team has a defensive problem. But they have a defensive problem because they have an offensive-minded head coach who just doesn't care about defense. It's been true for seven years now as a head coach. Anyone that cares about defense does not keep Alex Grinch on as long as he has with the numbers they've put up. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So they have a Lincoln Riley problem in, in, in that regard. That I, I will say that. I will definitely say that. Now let me get to a, a USMA 87. Is Pitt a trap game now? No, I think that stopped being a trap game when the minute they beat Louisville. Because there's no way the Notre Dame coaches are going to allow this team to overlook Louisville. Like, hey, guys, Louisville kicked our butt. Pitt kicked Louisville's butt. Right. What it means is it's not the transitive property thing, but what it means is if you don't bring it, Pitt's good enough to beat you. And we know the kind of team that they just beat. So we got to bring it. I think the worst thing that could happen in Notre Dame was Pitt losing to Louisville. And then you go out and, and they sneak up on you. I, yeah, I think that would have, that would have been a, a bit of a problem. So, all right, there's a couple questions similar to that. It's like Joe Allen, that kind of speaks to your question as well. So, uh, Irish Oki, not not that this is what has been asked, but Marcus Freeman, but if Marcus Freeman did not call the timeout with two seconds left since South Carolina, since Southern Cal didn't get the snap off before zero seconds, would that have been the end of the half or would there have still been a penalty? It it would have it would have depended. I think I think the refs would have probably called a penalty before the clock ran out because they were because like if you are if you're on offense, because I've had people ask me, they wouldn't have got the snap off. couple things. Number one is, uh, I think I still think they might have got the snap off because they were close to it. But if they didn't, Notre Dame's players were sort of already across the line of scrimmage. 
what they would have done is they would have given them a free down, in my opinion, because it's like when you're on the edge and you come off and, and you're kind of in that unimpeded thing, they blow the whistle, kind of a similar thing. So I, I still think it was the right move, especially as like as fast as everything was going, you couldn't take a chance. Cause like the last thing I want to do is give Caleb Williams a free down. Let's say they do get the ball. Cause like, here's the thing, maybe they don't get the snap off, but if they do, Caleb Williams knows they're offsides. He looked at him and saw they were offsides. He's going to take a shot. He's going to get that ball, sprint right away from the Nerdian defenders, and take a shot in the end zone. And last thing you want to do is dominate them for two quarters and then allow a play like that at the end to result in all of a sudden it's 24-10 going in halftime. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. I, I really, I really wouldn't. Irish Blooded asks, is there an advantage to scaling back the emotion the players have like BK did to make things more just another opponent and treat everyone evenly to help against the Louisville type of games? Here's the deal. Uh, there's a there's a give and a take to that. Number one is if you do that, then guess what? Your players aren't ready to play USC. Your players aren't ready to play Louisville. Your play, or I mean, uh, Ohio State, your players aren't ready to play Duke. Right? So the trade-off for that is they beat the teams they were supposed to beat, but they can never beat the best teams. Rarely beat the best teams. Never hyperbolic. Rarely beat the best teams. Well, to me, it's it, there are things you can learn to help you the way you're doing it now to go out there and be better prepared for those Stanford's and those Louisville type of games than it is to ramp it up when you're playing a big team. So, no, I, I don't think there's an advantage to that. I think there's a reason that, that for the most part, Brian Kelly's lost more of the big games at, at, at LSU than he's won. It's the same story. You occasionally get that win over a wounded Alabama team, but you also get your butt kicked by Tennessee. You get your butt kicked by Georgia. You get your butt kicked by Florida State because your team's not ready to play those games. You get you get beat by Ole Miss, another big game, because your team's just not ready. So what are you hanging your hat on right now if you're if you're LSU, if you're a win over Missouri, right? Just like it was at Notre Dame. So, no, there's there, it's a lot easier fix to clean up some of the stuff that's resulting in losses like they saw to Stanford and Marshall and now Louisville than it is to fix the others. So I understand where you're coming from, but I um I I don't I don't agree with that premise. It's it's a good thought, but I just don't agree with it. Uh, uh let's see here. Uh Ben Tarnox, this is a good one. Um well, how impactful was this, the win this weekend on recruiting? Uh, big, very big. Uh, for all the kids there, they got to see a phenomenal game. They got to see Notre Dame go out there and, and really smack a USC team that a lot of these kids are going to hold in high regard. Lincoln Riley's held in high regard. Caleb Williams is held in high regard. Uh, the USC program is held in high regard. So it was huge. It was a huge, huge win uh, to be able to go out there and do that. And then to do it the way they did it where it's just a blowout win because now all the negativity that may have existed with the recruiting from the Louisville game, gone. Just like that, gone. I mean, it's really how it works. Because, like, hey, look, we had a bad day on Saturday. But we're still this team. We went out and beat Duke. We went out and beat, you know, we took Ohio State down to the wire. We smacked Louisville. I mean, USC. You can now say, hey, we're more that team than we are that team that showed up against Louisville. And, and it's true. I mean, seven out of eight games this year, they've played much better than they did against Louisville. So even the Duke game, it's a good football team. And, and you did what you needed to do to win. The, the Louisville game is, is more of the anomaly now. Now, if you lose to USC, completely different story. And it's just more reason why this game was so, so, so huge. Nicholas Grosh, congrats to Coach Freeman and Golden. Congrats on the whole team. Always great to burst the Trojans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
the USC Trojans, yes. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, Matthew Brosha, how much roster turnover do you anticipate after the year? A lot of players are able to return, and with the soft schedule and expanded playoff format, I could see a lot of guys wanting to come back. Possible. Possible. I mean, Ro Joe Walt's not going to care about those factors, I don't think. I'd love to see Joe Walt come back, but I just don't think he's going to come back. Same with Audric. I mean, they, they got to make personal decisions. Um, to me, here's to me, the, the, the position that I'm most concerned about, like, if all the linebackers are ready to go pro, I love you guys for what you did, but best of luck to you. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. If Audrick wants to go pro, I love that kid, but I'm, I'm okay with that. It's part of the part of the business, right? With big, big teams, these guys get a chance to go be professionals, and they want to take advantage of it. And you know, all those linebackers will have their degrees. It's it's great. Go go do what you got to do. The same with Joe Walt. Do what you got to do, man. Right? You you've been great. The the position that I would love to see some guys surprise us. And um, and really grow, or, or come you know, come back, and then give some time for younger players to grow, and they just play play one more year is D tackle. I would love it if Riley Mills and Howard Cross came back for another year. I would love it if they came back for another year. That would be the only one. Every everywhere else, you know, with the exception that and Xavier Watts. Th th those are those are the three to me that man. Because like, I don't want Cam Hart to come back. I don't. I want Cam Hart to, to can stay healthy because if Cam Hart comes back, I worry about injury risk. I mean, and, and a six-year corner is not going to all of a sudden jump up the, the 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 draft boards. I mean, if he hasn't done anything by now, I want Cam to go be a pro. And and because I would be scared to death every time he tackled somebody next year that he's going to hurt his shoulder. I'd be scared to death of it. I want him to go be a professional. I want him to have that opportunity. He's earned it. He's earned that opportunity. And I want him to, I want him to be, go to the combine and tear it up and do great and, and go play somewhere. But him coming back, I me mean, help your football team. But I mean, I feel like if he leaves, you've got Jaden Mick, you've got Christian Gray, you'll be okay. D tackle. I'm a little bit more concerned about because yet you can say, I can say, okay, well, you know, Gabriel Rubio steps in for one of them and you're okay. But then it's like, but yeah, your depth, I don't know what your depth Looks like I'd love it if those two guys came back. That that and Xavier Watson. If those three guys come back, man, I'll I'll feel really good about where this team is next year. Really good, really good. Uh, let's see. Ninety nine props became one. CJ Hart a big impact on Cam Williams. Who do you think will be the big time wide receiver that comes to their name because of Deuce Knight? Who are some realistic options? The biggest one for me is Taylor Taylor. I think. I think getting Deuce Knight is going to be huge for Notre Dame's chances to land Taylor Taylor. There's work to be done, but to me. That is a really, really big one. Really big one. Yeah, that that's that's my number one receiver in the class. That, that's my number one must get a receiver in the class. Absolute must get a receiver in the class. Matt Ginter asks, with uh, Thomas Harper and Cam Hart leaving this year for the draft, how are we going to replace that talent next year? I ask because there's a big difference playing USC with them. Yeah, there is. There's no doubt. I mean, it's huge, Matt. The difference is next year you'll have a junior version of Jaden Mickey. You'll have a sophomore version of Christian Gray, who I think has a chance to be an absolute star at Notre Dame. Micah Bell will be a year older. You'll have, you know, Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes, and you'll have um, Leonard Moore and Carson Hobbs showing up. Like, you'll, you'll be okay. Cam has been phenomenal this year. And next year you hope that Benjamin's as good as he is and the other guys can step in and be good. I mean – I, I love the future cornerback. I mean, I, they're in such a great place that as long as Mike Mickens is here, 
And if he leaves, that they hire somebody as good as he is, I love the town at corner. I th- I'll be okay there. I'm a little bit more nervous about nickel. Right now, I'd be Clarence Lewis. I'd love to see Jaden Mickey develop. I think Jaden – I th- it, it, my, my opinion, my opinion, because of how strong he is, and we've heard about how strong he is, and, and, and he's not the burner the other corners are. If Notre Dame next year is going into games and their starting secondary looks something like this, Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray outside, Clarence Lewis, Xavier Watts at safety, Jaden Mickey at corner or at nickel, and you've got Tucker and Barnes and you know uh, Micah Bell working in as like that rotation, and then you've got you know the young safeties come. I'd feel really good about that secondary, really good about that secondary, uh, and Antonio Carter working in there as well. You know, as a as a as a good rotation player. Now all of a sudden, a Don can come along. Maybe he's your four. Maybe Ben Minnick comes along. He's your four. I start feeling really good about that secondary, really good about that secondary. So I'm still, and that's a me thing. I'm still hoping that they make that decision with Jaden Mickey, make him a corner. He's so strong. He can take on blocks. It's a better matchup for him as far as like the type of athlete he is. I think he can handle it really well. I think he's built similarly to Thomas Harper. I think Jaden Mickey could be a really good nickel in this defense, really good nickel. So I'd like to, I'd like to see him get that opportunity. Willie, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'd love to see him get that opportunity. So that is going to do it, I believe. Let me just go see. Um, oh, here. So Angela was down on the field by the recruits, and she said those recruits were pumped after the game. The excitement was contagious when they were heading up the tunnel. So that is from firsthand from someone who was there. It would be my wife, Angela. So she was down there shooting the game. So got a lot of great pictures, a lot of great pictures. So that is going to do it for today's show. I appreciate everybody being uh, with me today. Really, really appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back tonight at 8 o'clock. Vince and I will be back at 8 o'clock tonight for the Upon Further Review. We're going to break down some film and uh, dive into that game, go over a few things. And, you know, we'll, we'll have some you know a few questions, at Super Chats afterwards. But then we'll, tomorrow – uh, Ryan and I'll be back. We'll just kind of, you know, where Notre Dame is some things that, you know, we'll dive more into things that we think they need to work on and, and, and get better at and all those type of things, uh, in order to, um, go into this last four game stretch and, and win games. And we'll, we'll dive into that and see what they can do to win some games down the stretch and finish strong. And, and, and it's important time. I'll have my midweek rundown on Wednesday, and then I'm going to take a few days off. We'll have a Friday recruiting show. As of right now, no show planned for Thursday. Uh, if somebody, one of the team wants to kind of have a show, we can do that. But I'm going to plan on taking a few days off and uh, resting my throat, resting my body, getting caught up on some business things, some health things, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm going to take a few days away. But I don't want you guys to stop watching the channel. IB Nation Sports Talk is still going to be on every night this week, uh, Monday to Thursday. And we'll have plenty of content at our content at ourbreakdown.com. Message boards aren't going away. So uh, sign up there at boards at ourbreakdown.com. We would love, love, love that. We're growing every day. Got more people signing up. I have some people that kind of canceled after the Ohio State loss. I saw her kind of back on the board now, which which I love. And so uh, definitely want to be part of that at boards at ourbreakdown.com. On the way out, folks, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And as always, sign up for the message boards at boards.rsbreakdown.com. Have a great, great rest of your day. Appreciate you all so very much. And we'll see you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.